0: Being a new homeowner, one of the first stores that you actually go to is the hardware store to actually get all the things that you might need. I found out the secret to bringing your significant other along with you to the hardware store. Okay. Chocolate and a caffeinated beverage. It helps every time. Welcome to And that was Michael Vensky, uh, always offering his vocal talents at the beginning of the show. We really appreciate everything that he does and his contributions to our podcast. This is Chris Boyer, your co-host of the Touchpoint podcast. And I'm once again, always joined by my friend and colleague, Reed Smith. Reed, welcome to the show. Hey, man.
1: Here we are uh, another
0: week. We're actually recording this at the tail end of a three-day Memorial Day weekend. That's right.
1: So if this is a uh, subpar, you know, you'll know why. It's all the barbecue and beer that we've had this weekend. Really? It's slowing us down. I haven't had any barbecue, but I uh, have grilled out. I mean, we've had, you know, grilled items i should say you know burgers you know stuff like that
0: grilled items that sounds great (laughs) i was envisioning you were grilling like it's one of those shows of will it grill and you're just throwing random things on the grill to see if it grills.
1: yeah 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 Yeah. will it grill yeah man was that david letterman the will it float thing was that is that what that was on
0: I I know there was Will It Blend where they threw it in a Blendtec blender, but we we digress. Episode 69 today, Reed.
1: Yes, um, we are nearing, gosh, almost a year and a half now. So um, appreciate all the supports. Appreciate everyone uh, tuning in each and every week. Like we mentioned the last couple of weeks, we would really appreciate you checking out the website, touchpoint.health, that houses not just this show, but all the others on our new network. So you can hear from Dr. Brian Vardabedian on the exam room, ePatient Dave over on Power of the Patient, John Mason with the Connected Hospital. And so, you know, digital marketing uh, maybe that's not exactly what you do, but maybe you fit more in the uh, technology space and, and the Connected Hospital would be a good place, or maybe you're a practicing physician. And, you know something from the exam room would be uh, would be a great listen so we'd love for you to check those out we'd love feedback on those we would love feedback on different topics you might like to hear or different formats of different types of shows just let us know what you think and what you like to listen to and and we will certainly take that into uh, consideration as we continue to build this out so it's been a lot of fun and i certainly appreciate all the support um, speaking of support, uh, we couldn't do this without our sponsors, and so um, you know, to start, I'd like to uh, thank Loyal. They were our very first sponsor. Let's face it, other chat solutions, too slow, too labor-intensive, and, and, and honestly, they're just not smart enough. Um, and so that's why uh, Loyal created and has now introduced what they call Guide.
0: You know, I had the privilege of actually going through a demo of Guide the other day, and it was pretty cool. It was some, using some powerful AI-driven algorithms. It's a chat bot that engages with patients in dynamic conversations while helping them along every step of their journey, from like choosing a doctor to choosing a nearest location, applying for a job. There's a lot of great features built into this, and the cool thing about it, Reed, is, is that it can be used with either uh, live agents or it could be you know turned over just the letting the robots take over and do it
1: absolutely so loyal's intelligent healthcare specific platform can be customized. To fit the specific needs of your brand. And quite honestly, Guide looks and feels and sounds like you because ultimately you're the one that designed it. So if you want to go check it out,
0: uh, just like I did, and learn more about how Guide can work for you, jump over to their website and to schedule a demo. You, all you need to do is go over to loyalhealth.com slash guide to get you started. That's loyalhealth.com slash guide. So today, Reed, we're going to be talking about the concept or the role of a digital strategist. Now we brought this up before maybe a long time ago, over a year ago we were talking about how to structure your digital team and this role of a digital strategist came up. You and I are both digital strategists in our backgrounds and our experiences right. and I thought it might be good for us to maybe you know Describe our perspectives on what that is before we get started.
1: You know, my role as a digital strategist has ultimately been uh, outside of the hospital. You know, back in the day when I was uh, a hospital marketing director, digital strategy or, or digital in general wasn't really what it is now. Short of building a new website, there really wasn't a whole lot to do. Uh, you know, I guess there was some online advertising, um, PPC type things, but for the most part, it's not what it is today. And so the way I view a digital strategist is someone ultimately that helps craft and create the strategy around the, the discipline uh, or disciplines that kind of fall into that category of digital. And so that's not just web, it's not just social. It's a lot of what we've talked about in the digital transformation space of it bleeding into quality and IT&S and even clinical areas. And so I think ultimately, in my mind, a digital strategist is the one building the plan, not executing the plan necessarily. Now, depending on your size of organization, that may not ultimately be true, but um, that's, that's kind of the way I view that. And, and I, quite honestly, I think it, it overlaps or works in conjunction with some other departments outside of just marketing.
0: I would agree with you on that. Um, and what's interesting is see Reed, my my job title at where at the health system market right now is I'm a digital strategist and analytics strategist. And so I have that actually in my title and my job role is really focused on the digital marketing strategy aspects mm. of the role or maybe like stand a little bit a little bit past marketing. It's really the branding, marketing, and communications aspects of digital and how they're applied to this particular team. So I was brought in to lead up our digital team that supports our branding, marketing, communications effort. I've been focused on all of those, you know, the digital strategies, the digital technologies, the processes, all of those things that kind of impact that part of the business. But you are right. Uh, it naturally leads you over to start to talk to people that are outside of branding, marketing communications, start talking to people in patient access, start talking to people over an ITIS. Like you said, mm-hmm. you know, other people are involved with this. So this, this concept of a digital strategist is, it could be sometimes perplexing and confusing.
1: The one distinction to make here is, are you talking, you know, truly digital strategy or digital marketing strategy? that could be a little bit different, right? If you're a digital marketing strategist, then you're probably working inside of the marketing, maybe marketing and communications department. And you're working on those particular types of campaigns and it's usually the digital digital extension of you know that particular campaign or initiative. versus maybe a, a digital strategist could with some organizations, Um, spend, you know, an awful lot of time working with uh, the chief information officer, the chief medical information officer. And so getting into like patient portals, you know, security uh, and some of those topics that maybe we don't think about it directly. So, uh, you know, in, in this case, we're probably talking more about the digital marketing strategist versus just a, you know, somebody looking at, you know, all the connected devices within a within a hospital,
0: you know this really stemmed from the fact that i met someone that works for another health system and we're actually going to interview her later in the show and her role was had the same job title that mine did director of digital strategy and analytics Yet she is focused on a completely different aspect of the business. And, you know, we had a good conversation. This was back at the conference that we were at in Salt Lake City a couple weeks back. And we talked a lot, and you'll hear, hear that in our interview coming up, about the differences between the two roles. But, you know, what I think might be good for us, uh, Reed, is maybe let's just kind of talk a little bit. I found a couple articles Around what is a digital strategist, and what and one of them was even called, and what the heck do they do? And a gentleman there, he must be from an agency background because he definitely talks about it as it like he's from an agency. He says that digital strategy is a discipline of working with teams inside your agency or directly with the brand, assumptively meaning as clients, to solve complex business, brand, marketing, and technology problems. It's kind of a wide swath there.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean that that is that's pretty broad. I guess the and technology problems is the one that, that takes that outside of the marketing piece, at least to some degree. So I mean, you know, te- technology like marketing technology, so marketing automation, CRMs, etc. But when I read technology, and maybe that's just you know legacy thinking or something like that, but it uh, makes me think of it a little bit different way. Like a person who goes around and
0: like fixes computers and makes sure you're not getting phishing emails and stuff like that, you mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I'm also kind of torn by the business part of it too, right? Uh, Solving complex business problems. So when you talk about business, business is not just branding and marketing. Uh, that can lead into operational. It could lead into revenue cycle management. It could lead into uh, experience, customer experience, and in hospitals and health systems, patient experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, defining digital strategy is something that big. It, it kind of makes you like the jack of all trades with the master of none.
1: Well, we we run that we run that risk um, just in general, right? Of you know, knowing a little bit about a whole bunch of stuff, but not really being able to dive super deep in any particular discipline or topic. A little bit along those ways, I guess. This uh, author goes on further to say that digital strategists are the people that lead the problem
0: solving charge, helping to connect the dots between the needs, wants, and desires of the customer and those often elusive business brand and marketing goals. So now he's shifting a little bit and he's saying, well, really, the digital strategist is the advocate of the user because they're helping to connect the dots between the needs and wants of the users, so the customers, and those of the business brand and marketing. So that's an interesting take, too. And I would argue that maybe a digital strategist, that's part of their role, right, is they become the advocate of the customer.
1: So now we're bleeding into not bleeding into but it's more that consumer experience piece and, and trying to understand what it is and how to best you know connect the dots for folks
0: Yeah. And I mean, I assumptively here, there's a digital component to this. I mean, he's been very vague. He mentioned technology problems before, but then in this sentence, he doesn't even talk about technology. But I assume there's a digital overlay somewhere here, right? So they have to have a good general, at least a general working knowledge of all the digital technologies that are available. That seems like a little bit too broad for me.
1: It, It all really ultimately comes back to the needs of the organization, it's not like you're hiring a pediatrician where all pediatricians basically do the same thing and they are trained to do the same thing. Now they then morph based on you know, where they live and what those people need and that kind of thing. But uh, digital strategists though, I think it's pretty broad in and of itself. So it's really hard to define like I need one of those.
0: So one of the things I did Back when I was trying to explain this role to the person that hired me in the title, way back when I started at the first health system I worked at, um, I drew a Venn, and it was interesting having to kind of describe your own job to the person that hired you. But what I did is I kind of drew a Venn diagram, because, you know, any good strategist can draw Venn diagrams. Oh, for sure. So um, I drew a Venn diagram. One circle, I said, these are our business and marketing communication goals. Cause I, you know, I've always been working in a uh, healthcare digital marketing and communications bat, uh, role. So I said, these are our goals in this one circle. And then I drew another circle and I said, these are the users needs. And then of course there was an overlap between the two circles, mm-hmm. right? And then I, th- I drew a third circle to make a, a nice equilateral triangle. That third circle was technology and digital. And I said, so a digital strategist tries to spend all of its time here, and I pointed to that one area where all three circles intersected. That's where a digital strategist attempts to apply themselves the most. And they balance themselves between these three different areas, understanding the technology needs, understanding the user's needs, and understanding the business needs to create a good digital strategy.
1: I think that's good. That allows for a little movement within an organization, right? So... You know, if you're taking into account what success looks like or the business goals look like and what the needs are and some of those types of things, and then the technology, some of the technology you have, some of it you don't have, et cetera. So you're weighing all that out and ultimately determining where it is that you land and what you do.
0: Well, It clarified it a lot, but I mean, there's a, the components of that become a little bit challenging though. right? So first of all, if you think about the three elements of that Fenn diagram, understanding the business needs. I think that, you know, assumptively, you go work for a marketing communications team, you get a good understanding of all the different goals that they're trying to accomplish and get to understand where the business organizational goals are. But then when you segment over to that consumer circle, you know, that that other part of it, that becomes a little challenging. And that's why there's been a lot of movement in the digital strategy space, to become sort of that user expert, to start doing user journeys and to start, you know, understanding the personas. I mean, in my work, I've done a lot of persona work just to get a good understanding and try to assess what our users actually want
1: from us. So that's sort of some of the hard part, right? Of like where where does the responsibility, the role of the digital strategy to start and stop? Which I guess ultimately is what we're talking about, right? But it's hard because some of that, like like persona development, for example, some people will argue that that is a traditional marketing piece because of audience segmentation and some of the things that uh, media buyers, for example, have done historically. And two, I think it's not as cut and dry because you got to understand what skill sets do the team members have. Me as a digital strategist, when I go in, you know, there are some organizations that it's, you know, some of the strategy and some of the work that I'm doing is more along the lines of, you know, building a plan, introducing new ideas and, you know, trying to help them understand how these new ideas uh, ultimately grow patient volume or, or whatever the goal is. Right. Of the organization. Whereas some of the digital strategy piece that I do with some organizations is maybe simply helping them understand the healthcare landscape. You know, technically they're very sound in what it is that they do, for example, but they don't understand healthcare. care. You know, maybe they're, they're coming from outside of healthcare, for example. And so some of my coaching and training and the things that I'm doing has to do with that. Different people have different uh, strengths and weaknesses and needs and, you know, those types of things. And so I think as a digital strategist, you, you, you're kind of conducting the orchestra to some degree on, you know, how does some of all this stuff play together?
0: And it's it is really that it's like an or, like you are a conductor of an orchestra, right? It's pulling it all together. I think you know from from my vantage point, um, I got into digital strategy partly because I really like all the technology. I'm kind of like a technology nerd. You know, whenever I hear about things like artificial intelligence or whatever, you know, whatever the new thing's coming out, that really is interesting to me. But, you know, for me, it's more of like that, that nerdiness comes into like, I want to find out all about it. And then I immediately start to trot to, see, well, how can that help a business? So I'm connecting the technology to the business needs. And then putting my mind into the user's side really helps a lot. But I, I think I'm more technology-minded, uh, if you look at the three circles, than anything else.
1: It is, to some degree, that nerdiness, right? Or the the, the, wanting, the wanting to figure out some of this stuff. You know, go, go to the Mayo Clinic, for example, the Mayo Clinic Social Media Network. And so if you look at like you and I and Lee and... Um, you know, some of those different people, Ed Bennett, some of those different people that were there in the very, very beginning. Well, why are we all there? Well, well, quite honestly, and I say it as a joke sometimes, but it's not really a joke. I'm not meaning it to lessen what it is that any of us have accomplished or talk about. But we, we just were there first. Like we signed up for Twitter before anybody else did kind of a thing. Okay, we signed up for Twitter before everybody else did. But the reason we did that is because we felt like that there was some reason that this could be used. There was a business case to it or for it in healthcare. We weren't sure exactly how that was going to play out or what that looked like, but that's what these digital folks do. Another
0: thing that we kind of talked about, Reed, was developing a strategy and not really executing on that strategy. So let's talk a little bit about that because another article I found that is appropriately titled, What Does a Digital Strategist Do? Uh, the person said that uh, digital, digital strategy is in very simple terms creating tactics and goals for technology-rich projects. And uh, the author, and I think it was a she, went on to outline three different things that she does as a digital strategist. Now, the first is this discovery stuff, which we've been talking about, where we really understand the different needs and the goals. The second two parts she describes it are documentation, so actually, writing out a strategy, documenting a strategy, maybe even creating you know uh, measurement dashboards to actually support that strategy, I think that that feels right to be part of a digital strategist role, don't you?
1: Yeah, I'm on board so far. Yeah, I mean, I think documentation is a is a huge piece of that because you're. You're clearly outlining where are we going from here and doing some of that traditional traditional quote-unquote strategy things that you see. She even mentioned some of them like a SWOT analysis, for example, or competitive or market analysis and things like that. So, yeah.
0: But then she gets into the third part, which says execution. She passes off. All of this to the people that actually do the execution. It could be a designer. And she basically oversees the project. As a digital strategist, oftentimes, do you find in your experience, Reid, that you're sitting in sort of the, the overseer role of that? Are you, are you kind of minding the shop as it's being executed to make sure it rolls out the right way?
1: Yeah, I, I would say that's fair. You know, and she talks about collaboration here, and there's a lot of that because you, you spend a lot of time with, again, I'm on the agency side, so I'm spending a lot of time with account managers, designers, developers, media buyers, you know, all those folks that are kind of all on my side of the fence. Ultimately, working with that account management team in conjunction with the client to make sure that we're heading in the right direction, things are rolling out on time, that there's not you know issues that you know need to be addressed, you know, etc. So, and then of course, doing
0: the testing and the last piece that she talked about is testing at the end to make sure that it all works and it all kind of aligns right and executes the right way. This definition really kind of aligns to what I see the role of a of a digital strategist. On my team, Reed, I have a bunch of people on my team, and they all have different titles, right? So some of them work on social media. Some of them work on the website. So, you know, Some of them are more development-minded, and others are more like content-experience-minded, right? So a variety of different types of people. But one thing that I, I like to do is I like to give them the ability to act the role as a digital strategist for different projects that mm. come up. So anytime like a marketing job comes along, comes our way, and needs some uh, you know guidance around how how to use digital effectively or in a communications program, I ask my team. I say, who wants to play the role of the digital strategist? And I define that role as being a person that basically is the strategic liaison with that marketing or communications counterpart works very closely, understands the business goals, and then comes back. And then collectively as a team, we all kind of kind of hash out the right way to approach this. And people take different roles and stuff like that. And sometimes the strategist can also be part of the execution because that's kind of in their day job, so to sure. speak, right? But at the end of the day, they're, they're responsible for the overall strategy and making sure the execution works pretty well. And I found that to be very effective with my team.
1: That's good. And again, a lot of it, you know, again, goes back to personalities, strengths, willingness, who's willing to do some of this stuff and put in the hours and the research. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending. Uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting
0: our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health
1: Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at BinaryFountain.com. That's BinaryFountain.com.
0: This is what we understand to be a digital marketing strategist, right? Or a digital marketing communications strategist, yep. right? But now let's turn our sights on to the role of a digital strategist that is more aligned to the business side of the house, right? The, the CIO or the... The operational side of the house, because they have different job responsibilities, as far as I understand, and I found that in an article on CIO.com, because that's our favorite place to go for you know (laughs) technology-minded answers, right?
1: Who knows better.
0: (laughs) And so they start off by saying that sometimes the the digital strategist reports to the CIO, or sometimes they report to the CMO, depending on who they are, and. Oftentimes, when if they're fulfilling a more visionary function, like if they're in charge of the overall digital transformation for an organization, they should report to a CEO or perhaps even the COO.
1: Yeah. And just as a point of clarification, when we say CMO, in this case, we mean chief marketing officer, not chief medical officer. Because again, this is coming from a non-healthcare site. I don't know that we would ever see a, a digital Person reporting directly to the CIO. Now there may be a dotted line. Not not in a hospital, at least. That's always, at least at this point in the game, going to be under the marketing side of the house. So I can see CMO. I can even see CEO. Uh, I don't know. Possibly, possibly. But then here's what I get concerned with when when there's not a clear path, right? So we've got could report to the CIO, maybe the CMO, maybe the CEO or the COO. Well, we end up with a lot of people with like, you know, too many chiefs and not enough Indians, right? So it's like, who's in charge of this initiative, right? So if you have a chief digital officer and we're talking about implementing uh, something new, like uh, some new AI piece, like a chat bot, right? Do we not think that the head of marketing, whether it's a CMO or VP of marketing or whoever the whoever the top ranking marketing official is, is not going to want to have some say or own that piece, right? Because they probably quote unquote own the website or, or what have you. So if they're peers and they're both reporting into the CEO, for example... That just gets cumbersome to me sometimes when I start thinking about that.
0: It gets complicated because if you report, let's say, let's say, let's take our chatbot solution as an example, right? Because that's a good one. If you're reporting to the chief operating officer or even the CIO and you're implementing a chatbot solution, there's probably a couple of reasons why you want to do it. One, it's to possibly save operating expenses of the call center, right? So you want to automate a chat bot to help alleviate some of the call center expenses. From a CIO perspective, uh, a chat bot solution would help with integrating with some of the other pieces of the technology stack, including the patient portal, getting them uh, to be compliant with making their appointments and leading them to the right places so they can pay their bill and that sort of thing, right? So that's kind of where that role is. From a C- chief marketing officer's perspective, they see a chatbot as a good solution for their marketing efforts because, quite frankly, it could help with their branding efforts. They can It can make their website more effective. You know, it could really set, uh, set forth a perception into the community that we're a high technology based company by implementing this. Right. So depending on where you're at, you have a a strong need one way or the other. And I found this in my own role to be true as well, that when you're talking to multiple people, it's, you have to find the right delicate balance between all of those to ensure that the solution is going to meet everyone's needs. And most importantly, the users. Sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, this just comes down to an organization needing to make sure that they're, they're clearly defining what they want these roles to do. Just like a campaign would need to have a success metric determined up front, I think these roles do as well. You know, I know some organizations that have like the Senior Vice President of Clinical Innovation. Okay, well, where does that fit in here? You know, how is that different than digital? So, again, you, you can see how pretty quickly this stuff gets, uh, well, whose is this, quote unquote, like anytime a topic comes up. And then you've got to rehash, you know, well, you know, Reed's over digital transformation. Shouldn't this go to him? And it's like, well, but, you know, Dr. Rice is over, you know, clinical innovation. Is this not part of the clinical side of the- so you just it just you know it would behoove everybody to clearly define what you know these roles do and the success of these roles because again a lot of these did not exist 5 years ago.
0: So let's talk about some of those roles or the responsibilities of this other type of digital strategist that might be you know working for mm-hmm. the CIO, product development and management where you you look at the entire technology product portfolio of the organization and making sure that you're continuously repositioning and reprioritizing that part product portfolio to align with the business needs. Kind of sounds like a digital marketing specialist. Yeah, it does. But they're focused on other technologies, though, right? They're focusing on revenue cycle. They're focused on operational, you know, probably patient portal and things like that. That whole product management and defining a platform roadmap for the best practice technologies and approaches, that's something else that they do, right? Mm-hmm. They look at the the product roadmap and they're like, well, if we invest in, let's say we invest in this right now, it could be probably mm-hmm. Epic, right? What is that going to look like in three years from now? What's the whole roadmap look like? How does this fit into the overall prioritization and needs from, let's say, this clinical innovation officer? and
1: it just sounds to me like I you know I hate to keep beating this drum but like marketing is not advertising anymore. And so I think that's what all this means to me. You know, and it's like this still is the same thing like we can call it something different but these are just things that we should be doing anyway. And it's just the way the business is moving. So we've got to quit thinking about, you know, this person is only in the marketing department and only does things like in this vertical. And I think that's one of one of the points in here is, you know, works with cross-functional teams in development, engineering, design, and analytics to create products and services that are essential to remaining competitive in the marketplace. I mean, that's a great example of where hospitals I don't think do a great job. I don't see a lot of cross-functional teams, you know, outside of clinical care. You know, I don't I don't see marketing, IT and S, you know, clinical innovation. Uh, You know, some of these others, you know, patient access, even, you know, everybody that has, uh, you know, an entry point, you know, or a hospital entry point, like, I don't see those people getting together on a regular basis.
0: No, it scares me a little bit to think that there are people at my health system right now with the same job title as me, doing things completely different than me, and we're not even connecting. Right, and Maybe that's indicative of the silo effect of, of a health system, right? But, I mean, to me, that, that is a, a primary problem that we all have to, as digital strategists, I don't care who you report to, we should be seeking out other digital strategists and figuring out a way to align our work. You know, if someone's over there looking at rev cycle management and the implementation of clinical management systems and using analytics and modeling to understand exactly the right place for us to, you know, where we can invest our technologies, I should be a part of that conversation. And conversely, I should be sharing with them the strategy that I'm laying down for where our organization should go from a digital marketing perspective, because those things intersect.
1: Yeah, they do. You know, ultimately, it's not really going to matter. Because everything else is driving us to this end. So we're not going to have a choice at some point, right? Because, I mean, I've worked with hospitals that, you know, the marketing folks didn't know who the risk manager was at any of their particular facilities until they had to start monitoring, rating, and review sites. And then the organization determined that they wanted to use that information just like they would anywhere else as a grievance. Therefore, it needed to go through the risk manager, And so until that point, until it forced them down that path, like they didn't know who the risk managers were, you know, it used to be historically that all grievances came through the risk manager. Well, now it also comes through marketing because they're doing reputation management. And we, we've got to start thinking in those ways of like, okay, well, this person in marketing quote unquote owns the website. Okay, well, that's cool. Um, so that's one way that consumers initially touch our organization. But what about people in patient access? And what about the guy that valleys cars out front? You know, ultimately, it's like you know we need to have these people together and talking about what they're seeing, hearing, you know what people want and trying to start, you know, if, we, if we truly want to be you know consumer centric.
0: I think that you answer that question right there, Reed, in the way you responded to that. It's about what the consumer wants, about what the customer wants. If we go back to that earlier conversation we had about the three circles, right, of technology and business, and ultimately the consumer, I think the digital strategy an effective digital strategy role, if they're focusing on what the consumers, what the users need, and whatever those users may be, and I know for hospitals and health systems, it could be many different types of uh, users, but if we focus on the users' needs, then we'd all be singing from the same songbook.
1: Oh, absolutely we would. And I think that's what I mean. I think, I think we're ultimately not gonna have a choice. We're, we're ultimately going to have to get there because the consumer's gonna demand it.
0: So then I guess the digital strategist should report to the patient experience person.
1: Shouldn't everybody report to the patient experience officer? Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast. I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, You know, they've got a consumer experience platform that that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've, we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or
0: form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk
1: about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well there you go. I you know, I would I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else. They've also got some complimentary solutions on their website, but but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Touchpoint.
0: Touch counterpoint, there are two sides to every story. Ready, fight! Okay Reed, a little bit of a face-off today. We ended that last segment where we were talking about who the digital strategist should report to and you ended it with saying uh, at the end of the day we should all be reporting to the, the patient experience person. which brings me back to that Venn diagram, right, of the technology, business needs, and user needs. And maybe we can face off a little bit on the on the argument of where really should that digital strategist report to? You know, wh- where should they be focused on in the, in the organization and the business? Um, and, and you said it should be under the experienced person. So I assume that that means you're taking the user as being the most pr- prominent place. I would argue that A good digital strategist probably would be better served if they're rooted in the business needs before the user's needs. And I'll tell you why. I think the business needs are important because you can understand, I mean, it's okay to understand your users and you have great people that can do that. But a person that really gets the business challenges and what we're trying to promote, what we're trying to uh, put out into the market, what are some of the areas of, of improvement, they can really become good and effective at mapping digital strategies to solve those business problems. And they're much more effective. So users are really second nature here. I think business comes first, for a digital strategist that's where i said
1: but the user is the strategy so you've got you have to be aligned with what the consumer wants and if you're aligned with what the consumer wants then the business will follow and so i think uh sure i mean you know there's different things you know different types of business you'd rather have or other direct versus others etc cetera, etc cetera. but um i really think you know if you ultimately Center yourself around the consumer experience, like like organizations have done in other verticals. You know, you are going to have that advocacy as part of the of uh, the puzzle that's ultimately going to bring in more business.
0: I, I get that, but you can hire people to do that, honestly, or have your strategic planning people go out there and figure out what that customer, what those propensities are, and all that other stuff. If you really can understand the business problems, you can really map out some elegant problems because sometimes the consumer doesn't understand those operational concerns. They don't understand how to make your product more efficient or how to make your, serv- your service delivery more efficient. And so if you have that internal focus first, uh, you can come up with some quite elegant solutions to help solve some of those internal challenges. As well, I'm not saying to neglect the user. I think the user is important. User experience is important. But business should come first here, I'm saying, because the user doesn't
1: see it all. Well... I mean, maybe not, but I think ultimately it's going to be hard to solicit business without being consumer centric. Your product has to be so good to not care about the consumer. And I don't know if there's enough differentiation. And what it is that we do versus our competitors, in in most cases. Now, I'm not saying that you know everybody has their own you know specialty or you know areas that they excel in. That's that's not what I mean. But in, in generality, it's gonna be really hard to say I've got a better product. If you have a better experience, then I think you've got an opportunity.
0: I'm having such a hard time arguing this point, Reed, because I actually. Inherently sit on your side of the fence on this one. But I'm trying to argue that, you know, that there are some things from a business angle that you may, you really do want to have. Um, But honestly, you were right. I mean, at the end of the day, if you focus on your users and you, you, you align everything around what the user's needs are, your business strategies will align with that, too. Your marketing, your branding, your clinical treatment, all of that's going to align with their needs. I mean, and, and it's kind of a weird thing to think about. We talked about this before in the, the, in the flip of the power now that the new power is in the users. And quite frankly, they're driving the differentiators out there.
1: Yeah. And I will say from a business perspective, there are reasons that you know, you're focused on the business first. And a lot of that may be simply just access points. There, there may be reasons that, you know, where you put certain things, where you build the new urgent care, freestanding ER, things like that. Uh, you're building for the future, not for the current need in a lot of cases. And so while it's centered around, hey, I think this is what consumers are going to want. They don't want it yet because they're not there yet, right? So you're building kind of new upcoming areas, for example. So, you know, does the patient volume support what you're doing right this second? No. Will consumers need it over time? Probably. So I, there, are, there are places where I think, you know, the business strategy, uh, it outweighs the consumer experience because there's not a consumer experience yet.
0: I mean, ultimately, if you're building those those future needs, you're building them with the consumer in mind. I, I don't know anybody that would build a product for the future that the consumers don't need yet. Uh, Steve Jobs mentality aside, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert section of our podcast. And today I have the pleasure of talking to someone that I just I met within the last year. Um, we've worked together, we did a project together and really got to know you and learn a little bit more about you and come to understand sort of your background. And I think you're a great expert to talk about what we're gonna talk about today. And that is my friend Ann Goldman. Anne. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Well, thanks for having me here in sunny Salt Lake City.
0: That's right. We're recording in Salt Lake City. It is sunny out now, though, so that's good. It Yesterday is. it snowed. It did. So, But today it's it's a little bit better out. And some people in our audience may not know your background or where you came from. Can you give a little history about where, you're, where you came from and what you're doing now?
2: And why I'm here at a <laughs> marketing conference, yeah. right? So um, my background is pretty deep on the analytics side. So mm-hmm. I'm new to my organization in the past eight months um, at MultiCare in, based in Tacoma, Washington that mm-hmm. serves the whole state of Washington. Um, I came from Providence where for I uh, started out as a senior analyst doing medical home analytics for a mm. small medical home project out of one clinic in Ballard in, in a neighborhood in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I left as the senior director of advanced analytics and products. Wow. So I had a good career there, um, and which I enjoyed. I learned so much about mm-hmm. um, the delivery side of the business there. So prior to that, I worked uh, for three years. Um, as a healthcare technology consultant at Milliman, which is an actuarial firm that's um, worldwide, actually. And Mm -hmm. healthcare is one of their uh, pillars, or verticals, I I guess, using the parlance of the industry. So so that, too, gave me a lot of exposure to the payer side.
0: You're technology-minded, deep analytical-minded. And what really was interesting when I first met you, and what's even more interesting now, is the fact that you and I, have the same job title, which is digital strategy and analytics. Correct. Yet we do completely different things, and we're within a, within health systems. Describe your role to us.
2: I feel like digital strategy in healthcare is still green field, mm-hmm. and so a lot of different or- organizations are approaching it differently. And our organization at MultiCare, who I believe is really investing in um, a di- you know the digital space, they. Uh, asked me to take on digital strategy as sort of a tripod between marketing, um, information services, and then, of course, the analytical arm of the organization. What the analytical side does, which I believe marketing hasn't had a lot of exposure to, at least in my organization, but from what I'm finding out, seems to be pretty common, is really understanding, first, the data and having access to expertise in the data, which my department are full of experts on the Mm -hmm. data, as well as the systems that feed the data, whether it be the ERP or the EMR Mm -hmm. or any other of the supporting systems. Also, understanding really operations and how operations captures the data, either by input or output. Mm -hmm. And that has been, I think, really informed the marketing conversations that I've now become a part of. And I feel like I'm learning from them about the patient journey, mm-hmm. and uh, the consumer side of the business. And I know all these things about a patient clinically or even financially because we know the longest relationship a lot of our patients have with us is the billing relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning from them about asking the patient how they're feeling about the experience beyond a press question.
0: Okay, so you're bringing in financial data from the Correct. health system about our other patients, the clinical data. of all of our patients. Correct. So digital marketers and the analytics that I'm focusing in on is stuff around taking people that are anonymous, market data, sort of similar data to what maybe strategic planning uses, right? And it
2: might be even external data. Yeah,
0: and external data, and trying to identify and understand those people so that we can actually target our communications and marketing efforts to them better. But usually what happens is the minute they become a patient... We just kind of stop. Marketing analytics stops, doesn't go back. Well, maybe through CRM they track ROI or something like that. Why is there such like there's a little bit of a silo between us?
2: Well, I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting is w- when here at marketing, I've I've heard a lot at this marketing conference. I hear a lot about um, new patient acquisition, but I really believe the opportunities are with current patients. Okay, and that is something where my department and and the group of people I lead and work with every day have that de- that deep understanding of our current patients. And it's a multidisciplinary understanding. It's not just a picture, a lens Mm -hmm. of finance or a lens of clinical, Mm -hmm. even a lens of operational. Mm -hmm. It's really how all three work together. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a real opportunity for marketing as we move from more traditional kind of querying of data and data warehousing to big data analytics because Mm -hmm. that deep understanding is um, fundamental to that and um, the trending that you can do from that. From what I'm seeing, this is not new to have the, the siloed department. No. And a lot of people ask me, how did it end up with you? I think I get that a lot. And I feel I feel like it's been a real advantage for multi-care, actually. Um, the conversations I've been in, including mm-hmm. the journey mapping that we've done, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the strategic planning conversations I've been I'll bring data to the table that a lot of people there have just not even seen about their own organization,
0: and the patients that we serve. And you're bringing data that's actually of those interactions, those are actual interactions. Correct. In a retail organization, marketing would have all of that data of a customer. They would be able to understand how to identify the customer, uh, using longitudinal data, all of this other stuff to really get a good profile, be able to target that information. And then once the person purchases that retail product, they'd also keep track of all that data afterwards and be able to really understand that lifetime art. value of the customer, so to speak. right But yet in healthcare we don't we don't do that. Why do you think it happens?
2: It's everything from uh, sort of the obvious what we hear day to day with the 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 systems are fragmented mm-hmm. um, and the data capture is siloed to I believe fundamentally um, how we view the patient, it is not a proactive response to the relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that we feel that the how we serve our patients is by caring for them once they enter the door right. and then once they leave, the, we won't interact with them again till again they come back. And so therefore the data that's captured in between that, which really uh, our last journey map in the ur- in the urgent care mm-hmm. setting was, 13 stages. Only one was with the provider, which was such an eye-opener to wow. marketing, I might add. Many of those stages were post-visit, um, anything from the lab to the follow-up and so forth. And it was funny on the the journey map, how much that was sparse that we just did not know, because we just didn't see that as, as really a, primarily a service that we offer. Mm-hmm. So That, I think, is perhaps the biggest reason.
0: I think interoperability of data or the data silos that exist right now is part of the problem, too. Mm -hmm. I also think that traditionally uh, in hospitals and health systems, marketing hasn't really been seen as like that strategic, right? Marketing has always been equated to advertising, right?
2: Or event planning. Or event
0: planning. Now that we're talking, and you're here at this healthcare conference, and we're talking about consumerism, And mapping the journey and having them fully understand the patient experience, right? And how marketing can play an active role in that. But in most health systems, I haven't found that to play out.
2: And I would also say the analytics department has also not really had a seat at the table either in a lot of health systems. Right. It's funny hearing the the head of marketing departments talk about, we're always the last to know about it. And I said, God, I always thought that was... You know, in analytics, we were always the last to know about big major projects. Oh, well, we just want to measure it or report on it later. The relationship with the patient being a reactive one traditionally, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the support services in the healthcare system would have the same sentiment about being the last to know, Yeah, but that is changing. This is where younger com- companies have a natural advantage cause they're mm-hmm. born of data. And we, you know, we hear so much in these conferences, oh, we want to be the the Amazon for healthcare yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, well, that was born of data. Mm-hmm. So they've the, the, uh, data driven decision-making and so forth. is just so integral and foundation, foundational to how they, uh, have evolved as a company where, um, older companies, not so much, and then the data, the data is still very much siloed. Sure.
0: Well, and, and that really speaks to one of the things that you and I, when we work together on a project, we were doing, you know, looking at developing a, a framework to how, to how do we develop an enterprise wide digital strategy mm-hmm. and really start to have these silos start to connect to one another and start to share data. And, then, you know, that, that plays around a lot of different roles. But okay, so now let's put ourselves in the shoes that we're currently in. I'm digital strategy and analytics, you're digital strategy and analytics, we're in two different worlds. Right. How do we start to cross, you know, cross that gap so we could start working together?
2: Well, uh, in some ways, how I did it at my company is I was just very pushy, <laughs> okay. so I just started putting myself on meetings, and they were, uh, and they were like, "Why are you here?" I found common ground in very uh, particular use cases mm. where I've started to build the relationship with marketing. Mm-hmm. One of them was in our urgent care setting. That's how I knew about the journey mapping. Mm-hmm. Um, another, obviously, was a selection of our CRM because the CRM, I believe, is really going to be the touch point mm. um, for our departments to work together together. Um, in partnership because there's so many different elements to the CRM, yeah. but that real-time integration back to the EMR is uh, where they look to me in every conversation with a vendor and they're like, we can't answer these questions. We're so glad you're here. So I was able to talk about how Epic works, the things that we're able to capture in the EMR, the APIs, the mm-hmm. real-time APIs um, that our EMR has over 500 of, and which ones we could use and which one we'd have to purchase and how we deploy them. and how we were gonna use that data and what mm-hmm. we needed to, on the informatics side, mm-hmm. what we'd have to actually capture in discrete data elements. And that, that has really built the relationships there There with the CRM. The urgent care was the stepping stone, but the CRM I think is, the, mm-hmm. is going to be the connection point. And also the PRM, uh, because one thing also my department is doing is um, taking on master data management and starting with our provider. Master mm-hmm. and all the work we're doing there. Well, the PRM—that's the first thing it's going to need—is sure. that provider master data. So. Sure,
0: I'm constantly surprised at how many organizations have a PRM and a CRM that are completely independent systems and they're not connected. That happens. It's that's quite common out there, uh, and and that's because you know again it's back to the silo, right? It's back to PRMs were purchased by maybe physician relations, business development, and CRMs were purchased traditionally from a marketing perspective. But now you're talking about like CRM with a capital C and PRM with a capital P, like all one data platform, big data, back to this big data problem, right? which to me sounds like that can never be achieved. Is that really a thing? I mean, can health systems actually get to that big data level?
2: I know some organizations are doing it today already. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe, There's still a lot of gray area around HIPAA Mm -hmm. and how you can leverage um, the big data platforms when they're not the security of the data isn't um, in in the traditional uh, infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But yes, I believe uh, all of us will get there eventually. It's a journey, as they say. I also believe that the rise of decision science and data science um, a lot of hospitals now are employing data scientists. They're not mm-hmm. just—it's not just a fringe expertise that you know that a vendor has, but it's actually something that is employed on in-house. Mm-hmm. I believe that that also is going to be able to bri- uh, bridge us to big data.
0: Well, and part of that would be people like you and me working together in a more collaborative mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. right? And I think that the majority of hospitals. There are a few that are at the top and that have figured this out, but for those, those of us that are sitting in an organization where we're just starting an IOM path, how would you recommend or what are some of the ways that we could start working together day to day? Is it, you, you mentioned use cases. Is that the way we're going to go through this? looking at individual like maybe individual customer journeys or
2: I really believed in telling a story to senior leadership even though I will say my senior leadership has been incredibly engaged and supportive and mm-hmm. I that's you're not going to go far without that sure but I all I really believed in selecting a few use cases that had wide appeal, not just from a marketing sense, but also an operations sense, and engage leaders in those areas, which is why we we went with urgent care. I heard, at least on the urgent care side, in in my experience, they were saying, this is the first time I've really worked hand-in-hand with marketing. Um, on this project, where it was it was so it was really truly interdisciplinary.
0: I, I understand that your team, I mean, in your background, right, is around the data and the analytics around the mm-hmm. data, which is something, you know, to be fair, that many marketers may have some deficits in, right?
2: Right. I demystified. um, our enterprise data warehouse to them. Okay. And that really helped. I brought the um, marketing group in along with some people from operations Mm -hmm. and demystified how the data was set up, how we were collecting it, how we were analyzing it, even took them down to the stored procedure level and some of the other things we were doing on the data science. I also have data science in my department. Also, things we were doing with the data scientists, like running through some R script, I demystified that. Mm -hmm. So it was not so scary. And I also um, gave them access. Uh, We're on Epic, and um, we have uh, web intelligence universes. And I brought them onto them and and trained them a little bit. And I said, you can't break this. So go ahead, pull what you need out of these. And it really demystified what... Um, an analytics department does day-to-day, how we support operations. Um, I also laid out my strategic plan for analytics for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went on a roadshow with it through my company. And that also demystified and also, but engaged,
1: right.
2: engaged these stakeholders as well. It, I found that more than anything to have been able to create partnerships really quickly on, in my new role.
0: It sounds to me like your strategy was very inclusive, too, that it was there to serve multiple parts of the business.
2: I really believe in cross-training and Mm -hmm. sharing knowledge. Mm -hmm. That's just an approach I've taken throughout my career. You hear a lot about democratizing the data, Mm -hmm. and that sounds really nice. But really, it's about um, knowledge sharing and Mm -hmm. giving people the tools and um, the know-how to be able to look at it themselves through their lens. Uh So.
0: Wow. Wow. We need more people like you out there to help us. Um, the, the, okay. So we, you mentioned there's a CRM project and you're going through a CRM right. selection process. I think the concept of CRM is a little bit confusing or confused in the space.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So de- what's your definition of CRM?
2: Well, so the customer relationship platform, when I think of it in healthcare, I think of it as a way to do outreach. Mm-hmm. Coming from a med group Uh, background. I think about all the times we ran what we call exception reporting on patients that had missed their screenings for breast cancer, colorectal cancer, so forth. Mm -hmm. And I saw the the CRM as such a wonderful opportunity to do messaging to the patients that speaks their language, that is tailored to them, who they are, knows them so well that the message isn't obtrusive or admonishing, written in a language or in, in a way that you would respond to or may is maybe culturally appropriate or Mm -hmm. sensitive that's how i saw the crm when Mm -hmm. i started it still has that component but it's a lot more than that Mm -hmm. i learned about the automated marketing pieces Mm -hmm. about the integration with the access center Mm -hmm. i didn't know anything about that when i started this job and how important that would be um to um, the people who are scheduling appointments through um, the phone other ways, there's also the AI component that we could build off the the CRM that, again, would help with the personalization piece and the messaging, but I also might think it might inform us on what this patient may need in months to come, years Mm -hmm. to come, where they're gonna be in the community Mm -hmm. um, in relation to our company. Because really, if we think about population health, it's really just not the patients. It's we serve the community, whether they come through our doors or not. So I see the CRM really aiding in understanding that and letting us explore that more.
0: Where do you see, if you were to look in your crystal ball, like what is it going to look like in the future? Are we going to have this one big MarTech platform that's going to know everything about everybody that interacts with the health system?
2: Don't see, I don't see it quite like that. I think that there, there'll be things that uh, only a, the provider and the patient relationship will be sacrosanct mm-hmm. still. But I do see th- some things mm-hmm. coming in the near, not so far future. One thing that we're really playing around with in my department is the voice activation. Utilizing voice or perhaps Google Glass or something something similar to that. Also, Understanding, not personalization, not just as um, a demographic segment, but also the behavioral components of segmentation, as well as the genomic oh piece of the segmentation. Wow. That's something else we're starting to consider in my department as well. So that's wow. pretty exciting, I think, because I believe that's where medicine is headed, in the big, and a lot of the spending will go in that way as well. And also the EMRs are going to change. We have some exciting technologies that are gonna come that are gonna really challenge how our EMRs traditionally handle data and interfaced with the providers. Mm-hmm. I believe the um, EMR will become more like an API layer and we'll be writing to it from all different types of apps and internet of things, which they're starting to play with today, which I think is going to accelerate, so. Hmm.
0: With your intelligence and your insight, and a digital marketing strategist and analyst to come together and really develop that, I think that, that it can really lend a lot to this whole concept of consumerism, honestly. I,
2: I, ta- I completely agree. I um, Consumerism is really the digital and the analog strategies complementing one another. Yeah. Um, and that is one thing, my takeaway from working in this now for almost a year mm-hmm. is that... Um, There are still huge opportunities for my department, the marketing department, um, IT, all of these others, to work on the analog Mm -hmm. piece of this. When I come into the office, I want to have the same experience as the ones that are being created and um, curated online. Yeah. And that is also a huge opportunity.
0: That's so much. That's cool. Very cool stuff. And this has been a really cool conversation, really informative for me. If, if people in our audience want to know a little bit more about you, what's a great way for them to find out about you?
2: Contact me on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll definitely link to that. And keep an eye on what you're doing there at multi-care because there's some exciting stuff that you guys are doing and it sounds really exciting to be there. So thanks again for being part of our show.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: All right, here we are wrapping up episode number 69, talking about what is a digital strategist. And special thanks to Ann Goldman from Multicare. Uh, it's interesting to kind of get perspective from both you and her, you know, two folks that that have the same job title and do different things. You know, maybe it's not that simplistic, but it's always good to hear from other organizations. I think that drives home the point that, it depends on the organization, depends on who's there, who's doing what, et cetera, et cetera. So, very cool. Again, rate, review, let us know how we're doing. Visit touchpoint.health. Check out the other shows um, on the network. We'd certainly appreciate that. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. would really appreciate it. Um, okay, recommendations read. I got a good one here. So,
0: uh, you know, it was the Memorial Day weekend. I just bought a new house that has a new backyard. So, of course, what's the first thing I need to get, right? It's a grill. So I can grill out this weekend. One of my many trips to the, uh, To the hardware store this weekend involved purchasing a grill. There you go. Now I know a lot of people that are listening may be really big grill aficionados that you know, and you may be yourself. You know that they have the full blown gas grill. Maybe they have a smoker. Maybe they have a charcoal grill, and they have their own preferences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and I'm gonna slowly evolve to that. But this is the first grill I've had in over over a decade. And so I did some research to find what's the best entry level gas grill that'll get you started that's going to be very reliable and i ended up with the weber spirit 2 3 burner the e310 gas grill weber's good weber's a good brand very reliable it just it's got great technology built very you know very solid they know what they're doing three burners so you can you know set your burners to however many you want to you know so for my wife and i we only need two burners but when we had friends over this weekend all three were lit up was able to do you know a, a, about a dozen bratwurst on there nice. a couple hamburgers going at the same time you know and some veggies it had enough space there uh it was very well priced very affordable easy into the market and i picked it up at one of the hardware stores it was pre-built and get this it could slide in the back of my suv didn't even have nice. to take it apart was able to take it home pulled it out of the car ready to, ready to grill there you go so the weber spirit 2 e310 recommended for anybody who wanted to buy a mid size gas grill
1: that's good it's a good recommendation especially this time of year so fourth of july is coming up father's day is coming up etc so maybe uh maybe somebody's in the market for a grill I'm going technology with my recommendation. Uh, I These are not terribly new. Uh, and I'm sure many people have these. Uh, but I finally broke down, uh, It's spent, I don't know, maybe a few weeks ago and bought a pair of Apple AirPods. Do you have AirPods? You mean those little things that sit in your ears without wires? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. So you got yourself some, huh? Yeah, they're pretty awesome. So I use them quite a bit just here in the office doing conference calls. Uh, and then of course, when I travel and things like that, and so they're small, they're wireless of course, uh, they're not very intrusive, you know, they're not as good as noise canceling headphones like on an airplane or something like that, you know, don't get them in lieu of noise canceling headphones, but um, man, they're, they're small, uh, which I guess could be a negative uh, for some folks. But um, they last uh, that's a pretty decent amount of time. They charge in their own case, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So they're cool. I like them a lot. So Apple AirPods.
0: I'm just afraid that I'll just lose one of those or, you know, like they'll just fall out. And
1: I think it's hilarious that they actually sell like a lanyard type thing that like connects them to each other, which I'm like. Didn't they just defeat the whole point? Like, what? I thought we got these so you didn't have wires. Anyway, I like them. They're, they're, they're cool, and they're small. They fit in my pocket, you know, in the little case or whatever. So they're easy to carry around. Um, nothing to get tangled up. There you go. Well, uh, another successful episode uh, in the books. And I uh, certainly appreciate everybody's support, like we mentioned before. I would love to hear from you and love to hear what uh, topics you might like for us to cover in the future or if maybe uh, you know somebody to be a good guest. We'd love to hear that as well. So so for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.